and welcome back to Hollywood Deep Dive, your usual monthly movie podcast. My name is Nicole, and today we are coming to you with, I guess, a bit of a more somber episode. Um, so as we've come into the new year, we're going to be talking about um, some of our favorite celebrities that have unfortunately passed away um, in the last year or so, and kind of what they meant to us. Um, a bit of a sad start to the year, but as we know, we're still going through um, this uh, pandemic situation and the world at large. Um, so we wanted to remember some of some of the people that we've lost this year. Um, so we have a lot to talk about this year. Um, before we jump right into it, let's uh, introduce our lovely, lovely panel of uh, hosts who's sitting across the table from me. Hi, I'm Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Welcome back. And Sam. And Sam. Thank you for joining me today. Um, okay. Uh, well, hopefully, I guess, happy 2022. And hopefully this is the last year we have to talk about a pandemic, God willing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I that think nice. every... That would be wonderful. Um... <laughs> Um, I mean, at this point, we're more likely to have a uh, World War Three, but whatever. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Yeah, that that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, I'm just being the pessimist to the op- group of optimists. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. That's why I'm, I'm trying to move us along. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, this is still a depressing topic we're going on. <laughs> it is still a depressing topic, but it's not as I guess a cataclysmic topic potentially uh, i don't know no one of them is cataclysmic and two of them are cataclysmic we'll go with okay. that <laughs> okay um so we have a lot to talk about this episode um so let's jump right into it jordan did you want to start us off uh sure so um one of the unfortunate deaths of 2021 was Michael K. Williams, who was an actor in several movies. Um, one of them was um, the Oscar-nominated and one, I believe, 12 Years of Slave. That's mm-hmm. correct, yeah. Um, but actually, what I knew him from most was there was this animated Netflix um, adult uh, animated series called F is for Family um, that was made by Bill Burr. Oh, I, I've I've seen that. Like I've heard of it and I've seen images of it, but I haven't actually watched it. How was it? Uh, it's it's really funny. Like it's it's kind of like um, like the same kind of humor as like BoJack Horseman, but like it takes place in like um like normal like like a normal household in um I okay. Believe it's the, it's, I believe it's taking place in the seventies. Hmm. Yes, so yeah, it's set in the 70s, so like it's not, and rather than being like with celebrities and stuff, it's like just like a small hometown. Um, It's sort of like both parodies and like, um, both, like yeah, like both parodies, but also plays it straight, like just like living in that time period. Okay. Um, And so Michael K. Williams' character was this, um was this guy who worked like the night shifts for this um 
for the vending machine companies. Like, so he would have to like drive this trucker all around town at night, <clears throat> refilling all the vending machines and both the snack and the can like, like all the vending machines. Um, okay. And, and there was one point in the series where, um, the main character, um, played by Bill Burr named Frank had to work with him because he lost his job. Mm-hmm. And like, and they had like a very like rocky relationship because he like, like Frank's character is like very like tough as nails, but like, so was, um, um, um William's character who was named, um, Smokey. Um, Interesting. So, so they okay. like butted heads a lot, but like, um, like Frank knew, but like he needed this job because like, or else his family would, wouldn't be able to like pay for their house and stuff. Uh, right, and, right. You know, and they kind of get to know each other a bit better. Like, one of the things the show also, like, I think did a good job of handling is, like, kind of, like, the racial tensions at that time period. Uh-huh. Um, because, obviously, like, it's the 70s. Like, the main cast is, is like, a white family. But, like, Smokey uh, is is black. And he, and he works mainly in, like, he lives in, like, the black neighborhood. And, like, so, like, he... So like as the as the main character Frank like works in that area like you know he gets to know everyone better, um and then I think they do like they always they obviously poke fun at a lot of those issues but like I I feel like they did it in a in a way that's still like funny for everyone. <laughs> right, right. So it 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 is more I just like of a dramedy like a like a drama comedy. Yeah. Okay. And actually, that was how I found out about his death because the fourth season just came out at the oh. start of the year, and then like at the end of his last episode, they said, you know, like in memory of him. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't like I I probably like because I didn't really know his name until I was watching the show, and I was like, oh wait, that was him. Oh, and that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate to find out. Yeah, definitely. And like he his character, very young. Mm-hmm. And his character in the show had kind of like just come to this realization that like, um, <laughs> that he should like change his life around too. And I guess now we won't get to see where that goes uh... unless they recast the character. But I don't know if they'll do that. I kind of got the feeling that this was the last season anyway, so I don't know if they're going to continue it. But right, we'll see. Kind of reminds yeah. me of like with Netflix series when they have to recast because like that's for animated series they've had to do that I think a couple times one of it some with um oh now I'm forgetting his name blanking on it um he played Chekhov in the new Star Trek uh, Antonio thank you he was in um from yeah. Toro's Troll Hunters playing like the main character and like they had recorded two seasons but then in the third one they had to change voice actors because he had passed. Uh, I remember hearing about that. That was very sad. That's a couple years ago now, mm-hmm. wasn't it? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a very tragic death. Car recall. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, how about you, Sam? How how do you how are you familiar with Michael T. Williams' work? All of his wonderful TV series, um, like The Wire, he was in. He was in there for like a long time, six years. Mm-hmm. 
played a really serious character. Um, when I was looking back through his um, word, not coming to me today, apparently. Uh, <laughs> thank you. His career. <laughs> um, he was also in like Boardwalk Empire for a bit. Yes, mm-hmm. he was. He's fantastic yep. in Boardwalk. His chalky white. But, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a like Captain Leonard. Yes, yes, I I quite enjoyed him on on Happen Leonard, um, which Sam and I watched um, the first season together, and mm-hmm. I, I that well the TV series got me into the books, um, and I thought it was just a, such an interesting dynamic. Have you seen it, Jordan? Uh, no. What's what's it about? Um, so that one is basically like these two guys. Uh, so it's Michael Key Williams and James Purefoy. And they basically play like these two dudes who live in kind of the South. And Michael K. Williams is a gay war veteran. Um, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, James Purefoy's character is basically his exact opposite. Um, he's like, a, he's like a draft dodger and he's more of a pacifist. Mm-hmm. And they're basically the best friends and they live in, you know, the not so welcoming southern parts of the united states um and they basically i just fall into solving solving mysteries and solving crimes together um while dealing with you know the economic situation of maybe not being the wealthiest people around mm-hmm. um dealing with racism and now homophobia and but they're throughout all these situations you know they're best friends um and it kind of is like you know these two guys against the world um there's i think three seasons three seasons yeah um and they're based on three books out of the series um and they're really really well done um i've read i haven't read the full series but i've read quite a few of them now um and they do a really good job of portraying that that friendship and that relationship I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, it's really good with like all the murder mysteries at the same time happening in it. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's really well done. Um and it was kind of I think it's a very sort of I guess a different take from usually that sort of relationship and dynamic. It's nice to see I guess that loyalty, especially with we very rarely get a just male friendship series where they're incredibly loyal to each other. Um, it's not played off as like once week or like a joke or anything like that. They actually like give a share each other and they're not like the butt of each other's jokes. Yeah, like you know, like they openly tell each other that they they love each other and they care for each other. And as Sam said, it's not like oh, 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 like guys being bros sort of deal. Like. <laughs> Like they're just you know they they've been through the thick and thin of it together and they they're there for each other so, um and Purefoy and uh, uh, Michael had a really good relationship and you I I I would believe them as as true friends from, <clears throat> for the dynamic that they had, um, so yeah it's kind of a pity to see that end as well. Mm-hmm. So did is is it did it like. I guess end on a cliffhanger before um sort of yeah mm-hmm. the the third season um 
from where it was taking place, it was heading into, I guess, a bigger conflict into the ongoing series of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was like, they're basically sort of, I don't, I don't know, maybe like a murder she wrote sort of vibe. Like every season was a different mystery, but there was an underlying current. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and basically, like, you know, as they continue to solve these murders and they fall into you know various crime rings and people from their past come back and stuff like that very kind of i guess almost telenovela-esque level drama <laughs> but it's it, a white boy and the black guy having a telenovela without any latinos <laughs> yes yes that's exactly it that's a good way to put it <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the poor it was Hap, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, like, having to deal with the other shit all the time. So we're just like, can you please stop with your shit? Leonard's like, Hap, stop being an idiot. Please stop being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and the, and the whole dynamic is uh, Michael K. Williams. So Leonard is very, like, he's very serious and very, like, no-nonsense. And, and Hap is very, like, every woman he meets he falls in love with. <laughs> and like you know she always ends up conning him and he's like he's always like i told you so you can't trust women like he's venomous with with half ed's wife like he hates her um, that's because she's a bitch <laughs> well she's a bitch but it's just funny because like you know half will be like oh like don't talk about about her and he's like she's a bitch <laughs> like just flat out um, so again, it's a, like the opposite dynamic that makes it kind of like a really, you know, really delicious sort of relationship to watch. Um, so yeah, um, that's a pity that that one will be over as well, but he will be missed as will all these actors and people that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, did you want, did you have anyone in particular you wanted to talk about? Let me look at my list. <laughs> Um, let's not go straight into Let's Cry. Okay. But let's go into this, not the most crying, but the second most crying. Okay. Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah. Like, to be honest, 2021 felt so long that I thought he had passed in 2020, uh, 2020, and I'm like, what do you mean it was 2021? What do you mean it was 2021? How long was this damn year? I com- I completely agree with you. Until you sent that article about the people that we had lost in 2021, I was convinced actually that he had passed in 2019 and like <laughs> at the tail end of 2019, beginning of 2020. You were and hopeful for him that he never had to experience COVID. <laughs> yes. Yes. I wouldn't want to put someone through this, especially Christopher Plummer. Like, if, but unfortunately, that was not the case. Our dear, dear, dear Canadian. Yes. Um, yes. Christopher Plummer. He lived a long life, don't I believe ninety one? Um, yep. Ninety one, yeah. okay. Um but he, he true um Canadian treasure. Um well what do you what do you most remember him for, Sam? Many things, but like obviously you're gonna have Sam's music come in as your first brainwave. Of course. Because, like, he was very attractive as that young man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, he was. Um, 
he, he was okay. He was one of two good parts of the entire movie. Knives Out, like his part yes. is interesting. Yes, um, I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but he was one thing that I did <laughs> truly enjoy in that film. He was just like, okay, I will give him that much to deal with it. <laughs> I believe it's him I, and Daniel Craig. Like, I believe, <laughs> I think I gave the rating something in the movie, like, two and a half and Letterbots, and I gave them a star each, like, one star for Craig, one star for Plumber, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually think something that, uh, something that I kind of appreciated that he, he stood in for, I guess, later in life is, um, he took over the role um, for the film All the Money in the World. Um, yeah. He replaced Kevin Spacey. Um, such a good job. It, especially because the film was already done and they had to go in uh, post-completion and kind of splice Plummer into the film um, to cover up Spacey. Um, <laughs> and Must have been a lot of work to... I, big feet of yeah. CG. I oh I doubt yeah I definitely I'm not even quite sure how what the logistics of it what would it be to kind of splice him in there and make it look like they're reacting to him and for Plummer to be able to kind of re- look like he's reacting to the other actors. Um mm-hmm. and um so that film, well, you know, the film as a whole is not my favorite. Um I think that Plummer stepping into that role, um is kind of uh, a a really interesting feat, especially for a later in life role. He has like two hundred and seventeen credits, <laughs> which is insane. We I still can't... have one thing coming out that he did a uh, voice acting of that hasn't come out yet. At least we have one thing to remember him by soon. I can honestly say that I have not even seen a quarter of his two hundred and something credits. Have you even watched the video games he did? Um, voice acting for yes, he did voice acting for video games for Elder Scrolls, right? Elder Scrolls, um, Kinetic Rush, which is a Pixar game. Oh yeah, because he does Charles F. Muntz in the Up movie. Right, right, right. Oh, right. the villain, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, oh my god, I forgot that he was Muntz. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> With him and the dogs, classic. <laughs> he was also the narrator for Madeleine. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. He did all the thing. Uh, I feel like not anyone outside of Canada is going to know what the hell that is. <laughs> did you? Did you want to explain that for our outside of Canada oh. listeners? It's basically like this cute little animated show with like. Madeline and she's like in an orphanage I think it is or was it a boarding school I never really could figure that one out I think but, it um, was an orphanage wasn't it I, I feel like it was. was I feel like they were a young <laughs> girl embarked on a series of misadventures causing her friends and teach no it's a boarding school teachers to be oh, worrying okay, some okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're just like <laughs> and her parents are dead and she goes to school and <laughs> and it's like in Paris so she's always constantly getting up into trouble and it's like got a French accent but none of it's in French <laughs> no it's <laughs> it not always sounds funny I feel like it should have been in French and like this was an English translation but no no it was originally in English and just like random 
quasi-French accents add in with like Genevieve and Madeleine, Chloe, and but like it's English. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always remember it is basically a shit disturber. <laughs> I I vaguely remember the theme song for it. Yes, it, it uh, randomly gets reappears in my mind at times and i <laughs> like yeah it's most, in still in my head <laughs> it's one of those like you know like you're loading music when you're just kind of sitting there waiting and just kind of like pops into your head mm-hmm. and you're like out 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 <laughs> yes they made those children's uh, shows theme songs really catchy <laughs> they did yeah it's as old as us by the way what always also <laughs> sticks with me is was just at the end of every episode when he would end it with and that's all there is. There isn't any more. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that phrase just always it's one of those ones that I just always sticks in my mind for some reason. It feels like there should be way more episodes, but it was only out for like four years between ninety and ninety-four. Really? Oh, I yeah. It was older than that. There's only like um twenty-one episodes. Yeah, I definitely But felt it like feels there like there's more. like five hundred. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's it's actually quite longer. He was only the narrator for four years. It was from 1989 to 2001. There's 66 episodes, and he did 21 of the narrator voices. Oh, and then probably said, "Screw this, I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That makes a little more sense. I'm like, that seems like really short, but still, 66 episodes seems too small. It does, yeah. But then again, it, I think the cartoon cycle, like the repeat cycle, is something crazy because a lot of the shows that we watched growing up are not actually that long if you look at them. It's just mm-hmm. such a vigorous repeat that... Zavumafu? Z- like, yeah, like Um, There's a bunch of other shows. I, like, I was looking up... I, I fell into a, a, a rabbit hole of looking up old cartoons and kind of their lifespan. And, like, a lot of them are, are not that long. Like, they have no 40, 50 episodes tops. And they would just mm. repeat them for years and years and years. So, um, but I guess it works, right? Like, that's why they're so ingrained in our memories. Other than, like, being scarred by, there isn't anything more. Is there anything else that you guys remember that you did that you really liked? Why is the only thing that's pitched up? Um... <laughs> Yeah, for so for Plumber, um, a movie actually that, that kind of stood out is, um, he was in this movie a couple years ago called Beginners. Hmm. Um, so it's a movie he did with Ewan McGregor, um, and basically the concept was that that he was a man who came out as gay later in life, um, and kind of like starting over. And you know, telling his son, who's Ewan McGregor, this, and kind of the dealing, I guess, with that. Um, it was, I, I believe, it was Oscar nominated, um, and maybe, excuse me, one of Plummer's, I guess, later nominations. Um, it's from twenty ten, and, um. Yes, and oh, and he's also. I, I it's been a while since I watched it. Um, he's also uh, diagnosed with cancer. That's kind of how this comes out. Um, because Chris, um, you and Midwriter goes to stay with him while he's 
um, you know, dealing with this news. Mm-hmm. And and then it's also kind of, I guess, like a love story between you, Midrider, um, meeting a young woman and kind of starting their relationship while dealing with his father's um, situation. Um, but it, it, it was, I guess, a bit of a tough movie to watch, but it was kind of an interesting movie in the aspect of kind of I guess things ending and starting at the same time um you know the start of or the end of one life and the start of a new relationship for for you and my writer's character um I it's quite well done and um Plummer and Midrider have a great sort of relationship together I I, re- I do recommend it uh yeah, Unicorn, and you were right. He did win the Oscar for um best actor in a supporting role. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. Okay. I was like I'm pretty sure it was like one of his I didn't I forgot that he won, but I remember that he was nominated. Yes. Okay, um, I got two surprising things about him. First off, he was in a mo- TV movie for like Canada uh, called Real, so randomly, and he of course had to play the worst human being possible, but probably did it very well. AKA Sir John A. McDonald <laughs> <laughs> in the movie Real about like Louis Real and the Metis Re- uh, Rebellion. Okay. <laughs> Randomly. And here's the second thing he actually played um, Sherlock Holmes in a movie. Really? I, did, I didn't know like a- that. Sherlock Holmes investigates a murder committed by Jack the Ripper and discovers a conspiracy to protect the killer in Murder by Decree in 1979, which must have been like a Canadian version of it because you have Christopher Plummer in it, obviously Canadian, and then Donald Sutherland is in it, obviously also Canadian. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. like a really Canadian cast. Yeah, you got the New Brunswick boy, and then where the heck was he born? Plumber. Toronto. We got the Maritimer and the City Folk. Who who is um Sutherland playing? Robert Lees, which I'm assuming must have been one of the I don't remember exactly what his character was, but let me look. Oh my god. Such a bad image of him. That is the worst picture I've ever seen. He's got like this huge, massive handlebar mustache, and his hair is like poking out of a top hat. Oh, I'm so sorry, Don. Something about that. I don't know who he plays. Maybe he's one of the um, people who. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the quote unquote killer. Maybe, maybe because it's Sutherland. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, we need to put prayer circle a salt around Sutherland as well. How <laughs> this old year? Is he? Add him. He's born in thirty-five. We need to protect. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> Can't lose all of our wonderfuls. Nornier. Yeah, definitely. And I don't uh, think um our poor keeper can deal with also the dad leaving after his mom passed. No, of course not. Poor little dude. <laughs> um, did we want to add anything else about Christopher Plummer? Uh, I'll add in one thing. Um, yeah. So one of the, uh, I guess one of Tim Burton's movies I feel like doesn't get talked about enough is uh, <clears throat> it's called Nine. 
Oh. Yeah, it's the one that disturbs me so much. <laughs> I'm going to be and, honest. And rightfully I so. Haven't, I haven't seen it because I'm actually kind of scared of the animation. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, actually. Like, I saw, I remember seeing it in theaters when it came out. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, I do remember, like, part of that, like, creepy vibe. It was, like, part of why I wanted to go see it. Um, and so, basically, the story is, um, well, I mean, the movie's a few years old. It's minor spoiler, because I think it's explained in the first half hour. Um, so <laughs> okay. It's explained really early, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so basically, um, a scientist, like, discovers a way to, like, transfer his mind into these, like, little dolls. And he okay. also manages to, like, split his mind into, like, nine different parts. Which is where like nine the title nine comes from. So there's like these nine, like sort of like anthropomorphic like little like animated doll like creatures. parts of his like personality too. Yeah. And, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So and the main character is number nine, which is played by Elijah Woods. Mm-hmm. His and... voice kind of scares me. <laughs> Thanks to this movie. Um, and then in this movie, Christopher Plummer plays number one, who is, like, the de facto leader of, like, their group as they try okay. to figure out, like, what they're trying to do because it's, like, also the apocalypse. So, like, there's, like, no other humans around, but there's, like, these mo- this monster that's trying to get them. So right, they're, okay. They're, so they're trying to find a way to, like, both get to safety and also avoid this monster that seems to be able to, like, eat up like kill like actually kill them and like eat up their soul that's that's kind of scary it it is but like it's mm, i don't know how to describe it it's creepy it's still it is it is but like like, have any either of you ever seen Coraline? yes yeah it's kind of creepy in the same way that that was creepy but like it's still okay okay but like it's still like like you know, like I, I think saw doesn't this movie. fix everything, but I I thought it was still good. It's sad, sad ending, but very sad ending. I mm-hmm. felt like completely cheated of the movie. I was like, okay, at least there must be like some sort of like make like brings it together or like some sort of ending that makes you feel satisfied. But you're just like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's like no, no, absolutely not. No, nothing. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Like, um, I know that's the intention of yeah. the story, and like, for what it is, it's a very good movie. It's really good, really well written. It's all. It's like very. It's exactly what obviously he wanted to portray, but I'm also like, I'm here for escapism, and this is not the escape I wanted. <laughs> Basically, that's not like a quarantine twenty twenty one movie. No, that's just going to make yeah. me more depressed. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I have to agree with that. So, so maybe you I should start creating little dolls and pretend that your personalities are all them, and then you can just continue on your mental health break. <laughs> I mean, I there I I feel like there are worse ways to cope with the quarantine. So it's not amazing, but it's not the worst I've heard. I mean, like, that's just depressing as hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing Hero of the Golden Mask when it comes out, just so I can hear Christopher Plummer's last acting performance. 
Yes, definitely. Um, and maybe I'll give uh, this movie that Jordan recommended a, a watch after after this is blown over a little more. So in four years. <laughs> now, now. Don't now, now me. Let's be more positive. Okay, yeah. is, even if it finishes soon, you're still going to need a couple of years to regain clarity of the situation it's not going to be over and you're not and you'll be done dealing with the pandemic the pandemic may be over you're still going to have to deal with your mental health issues due to it that's what i'm saying four years (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's fair (laughs) so who else is on our list um so i'd like to add one that wasn't on our list um, See, this is why I create lists so we can put the names in. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, um, someone that passed away last year was uh, Jessica Walter. Um, so, I guess she would just best be known for uh, playing the mom in Arrested Development. Um, so, she passed away last year at the age of 80. Um, but she was such a great great actress and um so she played she played lucille bluth in arrested development um if you've never watched arrested development you've at least seen the meme the good for her (laughs) meme um that's attached to many posts that's taken from from the show uh jordan i hear you laughing so i'm sure you've seen you've seen it before Uh, Um, yeah i've seen the meme but i i I, it's one of those series that like i keep I needed like I keep putting it on my list to watch, and then something else happens, and I don't get to do it. I, I mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend. I don't recommend the 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 reboot or whatever reunion or whatever the hell it was. Um, don't watch that. That was not that great. Um, but the original series of Arrested Development is fantastic. Um, and Jessica as kind of the matriarch of the family. Um, is she's just she's funny and she's witty and she has some of the best lines in the series and she has such a like a ridiculous relationship with all her children. Um, she's definitely a highlight um, of that series. I guess something that she's kind of also known for along the same line is, and Jordan, you would probably recognize her. Um, she plays, or she played Mallory um, in uh, Archer. Um, so oh, she's, that was her? yeah. Um, so uh, Jessica also did a bunch of voice acting, kind of in the same realm of Christopher Plummer. Um, mm-hmm. She did a bunch of voice acting, so she's best known for playing Mallory in Archer, which is uh, Archer's mom and the leader of kind of their spy organization. Um, <laughs> But she also did a bunch of voice acting in a lot of kind of DC movies. So she's played a bu- uh, some of like the Amazon Warriors before. She's played Athena before. Um, she did some voice acting in the new Harley Quinn series as well. Um, and she has this, I guess, sort of, uh, a f- <laughs> I just like a feisty voice. Um, but she was such a sort of a great actress and a, just a very strong woman um, lead. And mm-hmm. uh, Sam, actually, a movie that I recommend for you 
is that she did this movie in the 1960s, I believe, called Grand Prix. Um, and I'm finding it. <laughs> and basically, it's this film about, you know, this racing team, and one of them is in an accident, and kind of the fallout of that, and the relationship between the two racers, and what society thinks about the accident. Um, and she plays one oh, of the leads it? in that film. Um, and she's great. I think she's kind of an 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 a kind of a lesser known actress who was uh, a strong voice for especially for female actresses in a time period where you know it wasn't as seen as much. Um, mm -hmm. Are either of you familiar with her work? Yeah, there's actually two things that I know her from. Ironically, she I'm apparently on a Sherlock Holmes kick. She actually was in two episodes of NCIS. <laughs> Where she oh, plays okay. one of the people who's part of a murder mystery uh, cold case thing where they go take a cold case and try to figure out who did it by be embodying Sherlock Holmes. It's a Sherlock Holmes society and one of the main people is in it too. And she's in two episodes and she's like kind of crazy and ridiculous. Yeah. But she's yeah. great and great comic relief. But here's the one that I don't think we any of us would have realized. Do you guys remember the TV series Dinosaurs with like the not the mama, not the mama, the giant pop, the like the yes. giant outfit? Okay, so, um, she was the mama. Oh, really? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> she was the mama dinosaur. Oh my god! So you really can't go not the mama to her. <laughs> she is the mama. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> for some reason that show like i honestly thought it was a fever dream for the longest time and now that i see it resurging i'm just like okay so i was not high on things during my childhood this actually happened <laughs> talk, talk about a traumatic ending for a show my god how did it end i don't remember um I the meteorite Oh my god! Falls in the sky, and they're watching it from their window, and that's how the series ends. Well then! This was a kid's yeah, show, by the Georgie way. Must Die. <laughs> Which one was this one, sorry? The last episode is called Georgie Must Die. It's called Georgie Must Die, okay. Like, well, that's not sounds quietly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing that she's actually the mama. <laughs> not the mama, not, not the, mama. the mama. Hitting the dad with like a, what was it, like a cast iron pot? Yeah, no, he's like holding a spoon and he's like smacking oh, the dad. But I swear there was one where it was like a pot he was hitting him with. I've seen so <laughs> many spoofs of it. I've especially seen it spoofed with like, like people on TikTok doing it, like with like the Mandalorian and Grogu. I mean, so... he would, Grogu would totally do that to Mando. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of, like, not the mama, not the mama, and, like, Grogu <laughs> flying across the room. There's one where it's, um, not Mando, but, um, Django doing it. He's like, do not shoot the child. You cannot shoot the child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, that that is funny. See, I did not know that she has that in her repertoire as well. She's the mama. She is the mama. If you know her for nothing else, you know her for being the mama in, in <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> Why do I feel like that movie was probably like the 
best depiction of families. It, 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 pro- it, potentially, it potentially was. I'm slightly tempted to go back now. I mean, like, just like the ridiculousness of the dad trying to, like, deal with the child, and the child's like, I don't like you. I want mom. And the dad's like, I'm trying here. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly oh. it, right? Yeah. Uh, how about you, Jordan? Are you familiar with her work at all? Um, I think Archer is the thing I know her for most, looking at her looking at her filmography. Murder, she wrote. She was in no, multiple murder, she wrote. <laughs> <Archer>. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Jordan? I said she always had such funny lines in Archer. Yeah, she did. She she was really great in Archer. Um, yes. Um, so she um she passed away last year, and um, yeah. I I think that's kind of. I I think one of the hardest things to do as uh, being an actor is difficult as it is. But I think being a comedic actor takes even something a little more toward the force. Just, I think a lot of people can act, but to be funny, not everybody has that ability. Mm. Um, so, um, I yeah, to be a female comedian or to be in those roles, I think, is something um, th- to be appreciated. I'm now going to go find all the episodes where she was in for Murder, She Wrote and watch those episodes specifically. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There we go. Totally haven't done that for other characters before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, Highlander. I'm only going to watch the episode (laughs) with Mythos. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I thought you were going to say that she was in an episode of Highlander. I don't think so. (laughs) But Jason Isaacs was. (laughs) But Jason Isaacs was, yes. Actually, speaking of Murder, She Wrote, we also need a a prayer circle for Angela Lansbury. (laughs) Yes. For basically every single dame of the British world. Because, like, they're all amazing actresses. Like, Dame Judi Dench. We need to have one for Helen Mirren. We need to have one for uh, Maggie uh, Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. She's also a dame. We have to uh, have a very large prayer circle around Angela. All of them. All of them. Yes. yes. Salt. <laughs> around all of them. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, like, this one wasn't 2021. Wow. Can't even say 2000 anymore. But since we are recording this later, Sydney Poitier. Yes. yes. That, was, that yeah. was really unfortunate. Opened with a uh, 2022 doing some damage six days in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always seems to be. I, I think I, I, I read an article or something like that, and apparently January is the month of most recorded deaths, like, on a yearly cycle. They get to the next year, and they're like, never mind, I'm out. Well, yeah. Nothing well, good's happening. Goodbye. Well, I mean, what was, was it 2016? Like, in January, you lost, like, Rickman, Bowie, like, like... There was a, that that year where we just left like a black load of people. December was not much better for December 2016. We lost both Terry Fisher and Debbie Reynolds back to back. 
Exactly. Yeah. The see the the beginning of that year was terrible, and the end of that year was also terrible. <laughs> nope. Bad. But like, he has such a legacy for mm-hmm. so much of film. Like, he did really like Hollywood's first really well recognized black actor who Oscar mm-hmm. winner, amazing breaking down a lot of barriers and like seeing him pass on the heels of someone else we'll talk about which is like okay please stop we're already dead stop it emotionally dead yeah it's like we didn't need more <laughs> no not we at lost all the queen. we didn't need to lose the king <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah the loss of sydney was i i I, it's it's almost devastating in a way, um, because he is like, like for example, I think we can probably all agree or chime in that even if you don't know his work, like you know, for example, like our our parents have probably spoken about him, like mm-hmm. he's that prolific of an actor that not only has he kind of transgressed time but he's also transgressed generational boundaries like we're we're all the kids of immigrants and um i'm sure they can all speak about sydney in some capacity maybe for different movies um but everybody who knows a little bit about film i think would know about sydney poitier yeah he didn't have a lot of film but like the impact that he had in like by comparison to many other actors, like 55 credits and the impact is massive. Definitely. Um, any sort of films have this stand out to you guys that, you know, that you think about or that you associate with him? Um, well, we, we talked about it like way back in um, one of the earlier episodes, but I guess who's coming to dinner, I guess, is one of mm-hmm. those ones that always comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Because it, it is about those, like, race relations at this time. Like, like a mixed couple getting married and everyone... And all their parents were like... But, like, like, like they want to be happy that, for them, but they're like, how society is going to treat them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it, such a... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and, and, it, and it came out at a time when, like, that was, like, an actual, like fear of people who wanted to get together like what would society as a whole think and apparently like even when they were making this movie they were worried that because of the subject matter like it wouldn't do well in the southern states um but apparently it did well there too anyway he was also in um the greatest story ever told and he plays uh Simon of Syrian who holds Jesus's cross and carries it to the uh mountain where obviously crucifixion is like that was a role that was probably really big to actually have it historically accurate for that matter and like him actually being in the film because usually they just pass it on to some other white guy but they had him in it like that's even before um guess who comes to dinner lots of major actors in that film as well yes definitely um i think for myself one of the movies that kind of stands out 
um, from his repertoire is a film to a film like to share with love. That's um, a good one. Yeah. If, um, because I I and kind of how Jordan was saying with Jesse's coming to dinner, it's still something despite you know a movie being over forty years old. The thing about these films are that they they transcend times and they're still important topics. We're still talking about you know mixed race relationships. We're still talking about um, issues in the education system and the relationships between teachers and students like to serve with love. Um, those are things that um, are constantly kind of being reformed and affected. Um, and I just, unfortunately, sometimes when society takes a step back, we kind of have to revisit them and, and relearn again. And in these ways, these movies are not, you know, they don't become irrelevant. I know how you're saying it was 40 years old. Did you know there's actually a second one? I did, not, I did not years know later that. so like the first one to start with love i'm trying to find the year it's, it's 1967 and then there is a second one and it's the new poitier again in the same role in 1996 oh i did called know to start that. with love too after three years teaching in london mark zachary retires and returns to chicago there however the challenge of teaching kids in the inner city school proves to be too much to resist and he goes back i have not mm. even heard of that movie i didn't know that was a thing it was a straight to tv but like that's interesting that like the topic and by the way it's um nearly it's 55 years old the original wow um the fact that like literally like over 20 years later that was still relevant that they could do another one and that same problem is still there when you're talking about taking a step back and you could probably do a movie and the same problem would resonate today because the inner cities haven't changed much unfortunately in all these years mm -hmm. with the same issues that he would he probably like was like ah, not this again i thought we dealt with this <laughs> uh i think I, sorry jordan go ahead Oh, no, I'm, my thing was going to go on a tangent, so you go first. I was going to say, I think we've talked about Blackboard Jungle on the podcast before. Um, and, and again, with Sydney, he's in sort of, I guess, in an opposite position from To Serve With Love in the role of students. But um, I, I'd be kind of curious to know what his mindset was, as it seems that he often was, you know, in the role of educator or students. But in these films that were kind of political and insightful about, I guess, issues in the education system or the way that, that people relate to the education system. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be curious to kind of know what his mindset about that was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jordan, you were going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um... Yeah, I was real. gonna say how it's it sounds it's the plot sounds kind of similar to um the second sister act where mm. um the nuns um from the first movie who helped Whoopi Goldberg are like running are helping with like a school um and they in the inner city and they and they and they need a teacher and they brought her in to like help teach the their singing class. I mean, that's a prime example for a movie where 
the second one is just as good it's Mm -hmm. still like (laughs) with goldberg being a nun (laughs) but it just works so well and dame Mm -hmm. judy dench just not dame judy dench um other one the other dame maggie Maggie smith Smith, aka our wonderful violet kicking it out of the house (laughs) (laughs) fire circle yeah, I actually rewatched the first one not too long ago, and I I was surprised by how well it held up. Mm-hmm. So actually, on on the topic of nuns, I guess one of the, I guess you could say <laughs> non political of Sydney Poitier's movie was was a uh, Lilies of the Field, mm. where he uh, where he's like um a handyman named Homer Smith, who's um. He's just he's driving um, by um, a church when his car is running low um, on water. So as he go as he asks them if he could have some, um, the head nun says, "You know, I've prayed to God for a big strong man to come," <laughs> and they think it's him. And he says, "No, no, it's not me." And then he tries to leave, <laughs> but but they convince him to stay. <laughs> Um, and like... <laughs> you're a wonderful strong man, sir. Help the ladies out. <laughs> And there's like there's this back and forth because um, the nuns, um, so they came to America from East Germany, so they escaped um, over the wall and came to America, and so only the head nun, like she speaks, she's the only one who speaks English, and even her English isn't that great, um, but you kind of get the sense that she's like playing it up on purpose, like for this misunderstanding between the two of them. Right. Um, right. But um, like as he learns more about them, and like he see and and they're trying to build a church because they the only church they have is like this traveling priest who comes once a week, and they like have mass like outside of this his like trailer. Mm-hmm. And the nuns want to build a church, and they said, and they said they've been praying to God for someone to come and build in the church, and they think it's him. And then oh my god. And like and, and through their series of like back and forth, he ends up staying and building the church with the with the community of people there. Oh, that's funny. Um, it's it's a very it's a very sweet, funny and sweet movie. I'll have to watch that. It actually sounds really great. I got to segue into another one we can talk about since we've already talked about uh, Maggie Smith and we have Harry Potter kind of in that thing. Helen McCory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. When I hey. watched the um, the Harry Potter uh, reunion, um, and they, they had a little section where they talked about her, um, and her role as um as Malfoy's mom, and how sad it was that she wasn't there with them. Mm-hmm. I was I was really sad. I like, think it's. It's always a little more tragic, especially when you know when they're setting up these these big reunions and everybody's going to be back together, and you know they miss it by a, by like you know a couple weeks or a couple days or a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that even makes it a little harder to watch. Yeah, and she was like a prolific actress in like so many things and like tons of series as well what is she best known for outside of um um looks like i'm to be honest 
Peaky um, Blinders. She was, in... she was in it forever. Really? Yeah, she plays um Polly Gray. Or Aunt oh, Polly. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Uh, I'm behind, so it's it's been a while since I've I've thought about Peaky Blinders. Shameful, um, shameful. I know, I know. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you would think that we, I'd be all caught up with all the TV in the world with you know the years we've had off, but alas, that is not true. So she was in um, one of my favorite uh, TV shows. That I make you watch sometimes. Uh, Life. <laughs> Life is good. Yes. Um. She was, if I remember correct. Let me just double check before I like. She was one of I think. Did you did you want to tell everyone what what that show's about? Because okay, I honestly so that was really interesting. Um, so Damian Lewis is the main character, and he basically was sentenced to life in prison for killing his partner and his fit partner's family but he didn't actually do it. it was a huge setup and so he gets exonerated through dna evidence and basically goes on a vendetta while being a um kind of like trying to be zen while also being yeah. a detective which like obviously doesn't go well and he has tons of money and like he's obsessed with fruit <laughs> And vengeance. Right. I remember there was always like a bowl. He was always like, there was a bowl of fruit, or he was eating fruit, or like, it was like he a different didn't fruit. Get fresh like vegetables and fruit in prison, and that's what he missed the most. I remember, like every episode, it was like a different one. Like he'd be obsessed with a different fruit. Every it'd be like a papaya one episode, melon the next episode. It was just like, and he'd just be eating it, or it'd be on the table, or like something. <laughs> it's like what kept him sane and like at one minute he's like so zen and i'm um, like thoughtful the next minute i'm like oh dear lord and now he's like ready to kill people this is wonderful oh dear lord sorry so who did helen play in, in the series i just want to double check i feel like i'm going to say who she played wrong so i am going to recheck because like she was in quite a few episodes and out of like a very short series so i'm like trying to make sure i'm not getting it like massively wrong but if i remember correctly she was uh here it is okay she's a security specialist for one of the crews oh and she was the one who ended up murdering the family she was the bad person <laughs> right okay i have a vague recollection of this yes it was in the second season so she was like there i've only made you watch the first season <laughs> it was a good show yeah from, from what i recall yes it's probably one of uh his better tv series i don't really like billions <laughs> oh god billions is terrible i don't know i thought like yeah, she was in, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it looks like she was in a lot of, like, mini series. series. A lot of British series. Mm -hmm. Nicole, she was in an interview with the vampire. Are you ready for what her uh, role was? What was her role? Second whore. <laughs> um, it's very specific, I suppose. I guess we all have to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. That is true. She was also in a Sherlock Holmes. 
Yes, I'm seeing that. In the case of the silk stocking. And it was Rupert Everett as Sherlock Holmes in that one. That's strange on its own, but okay. Yeah, I feel like this one would be very, very strange. Wow. (laughs) Nothing against Rupert Everett. I actually quite like him as an actor, but he does not strike me as a Sherlock Holmes type. So much plastic surgery on his face. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, shots fired at Rupert Everett, but okay. Sorry, Everett, but it's very obvious that you've had work done. Your face just shines a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, I think she would probably. I guess probably by our generation and the generation under us, she'd best be known as. Um, a Narcissa, um, who has fabulous hair in the Harry Potter series. Seriously, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, she has that awesome, like, like, uh, like black, black, white hair, and it's like very. She's a very striking character, mm-hmm. um, and a very good foil for uh, for Jason Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of makes you feel more for like Narcissa's character, and you're like gave her more depth than the book does and you're like oh she actually really cares and she's just kind of stuck there oh definitely and like um i guess because of the visual element like you can you know you can tell that things are wearing on her and even though she's doing it she doesn't necessarily want to be where she is or doing what she is Mm -hmm. um and yeah but i i agree completely that the, the film gives her more depth than than the book does. They just kind of made her seem evil for the sake of being evil. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the next one? Uh, yes. Any, okay, I got an intro would... for this one. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. Now we need to remember who we're thinking we should be thinking about. You want to kiss the girl under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's stuck around now. Great. <laughs> Downward sweater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Samuel E. Wright, obviously, our wonderful Mufasa, and, at least in the Broadway version. And he was in our lovely Sebastian. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he played Mufasa in the original cast of The Lion King on Broadway. I didn't know this until now. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was today years old. <laughs> today years old when I discovered this. He wasn't in a lot of movies, but like in a lot more television. But like, I will always remember him for Sebastian. That seems I mean... to be what like he always came back for. Like after mm-hmm. the movie, like he came back for the TV series. He came back for some of the video games. Um, came back for all the sequels. <laughs> Including the, video. <laughs> the live version. A television film. So they did the mm-hmm. Broadway show live and he did Sebastian. Who knew? Apparently it's on oh, Disney+. Cool Plus. Will I watch that. this? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I didn't know there was a, a live version. Yeah, it came out in 2019. 
this is not like okay. a stage. It's not like a stage adaptation. Um, it is a stage adaptation that they filmed live on ABC. Oh, um, okay. I think it's like the Hamilton oh. one where like they did it on a stage and they filmed it while they were doing it. Oh, okay, gotcha. but live, like it was filmed mm-hmm. at the, I think like broadcast as it was being filmed. Kind yeah. of like how they did like with Jesus Christ Superstar like a year or so ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Who they have for Ariel was um, I always pronounce her name wrong, and I feel terrible. And I know there's like videos on how to pronounce it, but I always flip up. Um, she play uh, does the voice of melodic. And someone please help me out here. <laughs> um, I always mess it up, and I feel awful. One second, let me look up. Yes, is, it's the it's the voice actor for Moana. Yeah, she's um. I'd have to get it or something and now I'm just butchering it and I'm going to go put myself in a corner. I'm (laughs) not even going to attempt that. If you can't say it, I am... I'm now looking at the YouTube video to listen to so I make sure (laughs) that I don't pronounce this wrong. Isn't her last name Carvalho? I'm probably saying that wrong too. My lord. Well, we will go find out. Um, It's Auli. 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 She said like ow as if you hit stub your toe. Okay. And then Lee. Okay. E. Okay. And I literally just watched the video of her explaining it with Dwayne Johnson how to pronounce her name. And she literally okay. says, like, when you stub your toe really hard, and you say ow. <laughs> I feel I feel Ow-lee. like this is like this is almost like the whole Saoirse Ronan thing, but at least Saoirse? she's being upfront about it. Just Saoirse Ronan, there's this if, if you watch videos where she pronounces her name, she says it different herself in like every single video. So no one is sure how to pronounce her name. I think that also comes from the fact that the Irish language has so many dialects within Ireland. Mm-hmm. So when you speak Irish, depending on where you're at, you're going to have different intonations for Saoirse um, based on, like, the different dialect of Irish and how it was maintained through, well, you know, the Brits being the Brits. Yes. And banning the language forever. That Yes, that's, that's it's just funny because I think there's, like, a compilation of her saying her name. <laughs> it's different every single time. <laughs> so you're just kind of like, uh, okay, so... She doesn't know. I don't know. We're good. <laughs> I, I still don't know how to say her name. <laughs> um, But, okay. Auli... Auli... Okay? Auli... Okay. I've learned something new today. <laughs> I probably think I'm still butchering it, but I tried! <laughs> Yes. I did the research. <laughs> uh, okay, did you want to add anything else? Other than I'm going to be humming that song for the rest of my life. It is a very catchy song. It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, before we go to our queen, we should talk about the wonderful director who has like done so many of my guilty pleasure movies please do Richard Donner (laughs) all the guilty pleasures in one director I mean that's fair did you want to tell the audience about some of your guilty pleasures 
Okay, let's go with the not guilty first. Okay. <laughs> he did do Superman's and he did do Man from Uncle. He did okay. help out These with are the those. originals, did... right? Yes, the originals. Yeah. Some Twilight Zone, obviously Gilligan's Island, Perry Mason, and then we go into the embarrassment ones. Oh boy, here we go. Um, Z Lethal Weapons. <laughs> uh, sorry, Superman's not bad, but yeah. He did direct the Goonies, so enjoy that. I love the Goonies. I know mm. that, you know, um, Chubb is not kind of considered <laughs> politically correct these days, mm-hmm. but the scene where he's being inter- he's quote-unquote being interrogated by the criminals, and they, they're just like, and he's like, they're like, they're like, tell the truth, and he's just babbling everything, and he's like crying and babbling, it, it cracks me up every single time, no matter how many times I've seen that movie. My dad didn't even grow up with the Goonies. And every time mm-hmm. it's on TV, we stop and watch the Goonies. As, I guess, you know, as um, to the power of Richard Donner's <laughs> directing, it's just a lovable film for everybody. It's become one of those quintessential 80s movies, I think. It's a cult following. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, I agree. Um, and you have nothing to feel bad about, Sam. I, I adore the Lethal Weapon movies. I even like 4, and 4 is goddamn terrible. They're just like comfort food. In a... <laughs> he also did Scrooge, which I didn't know about until now. Uh, I watched that movie way too many times for my own good. <laughs> Well, yes, I, I am not shocked about that at all. My grandfather loved it. <laughs> not my choice. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Robert Mitchum was in it too. Um, oh, Jimmy Farr. Okay, yeah, now I know why I love this movie. For those who don't know who Jimmy Farr is, he played Klinger in uh, MASH, and Klinger was just great. He dressed up as a woman and then got very comfortable being dressed up as a woman. And, like, when he tried to unchange one time, he got, like, rashes. He was like, oh, I'm in men's clothes. How dare I? Trying to get Section 8. He's he's probably my favorite character in that TV show. And, like, he did the first two Supermans. The second one, there's apparently a Donner cut specifically, too. That's his director cut. Yep. There is the Donner cut for Superman, too. I was going to bring that up, but yes. Better. Um, so it's the... It, it, we can say that Richard Donner is the original free the Snyder cut if we... <laughs> it, if we must compare it to something. Everybody thinks that Snyder is <laughs> the first one they did that for. It, it, it's not. Richard Donner has that honor, I would argue. Yes, that's where they got the idea from, probably. <laughs> Like, Probably before yeah. with DC, we can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I think uh, I I wouldn't be surprised that someone was like, "Wait a minute, We've done this before, we can do this again." Um, one of my favorite Donner movies, actually, as a horror person, um, so oh, Richard God. Donner does The Omen, um. He does the original 1976 version of the film, um, which is far superior to any of the other ones that come after it. Um, I remember the first time I watched this, I was actually at a sleepover, um, 
and there's the scene I, that many people know about when the glass panel slides off the back of a off of the back of a truck and it slices someone's head clear off their shoulders and just the way that it's done and and the premise of the film is is so fantastic um and Gregory Peck is is just like A++ in this film like it's the film itself is a little bit cheesy I know Sam that you don't like horror but I feel like you could take this film like it's not as terrifying for example as something like The Exorcist it is a I little bit I believe I could but I believe I shan't <laughs> that's fair but I do believe that you could do it as opposed to something like The Exorcist which is a little more traumatic I've seen The Exorcist so I just Don- my way through some of these. That's fair. Uh, Donner stuff. Um, I feel like it's a, it's gonna be a strange comparison, but Donner kind of reminds me of Sam Raimi in a way, and even when he's not really necessarily doing the same genre in every movie, um, he does maintain elements of his movies that almost give them like. A, a campy feel even when the film itself might not be campy or the tone might not be campy um he does have those i guess those elements in it that make it um maybe a slightly more lighthearted despite what the topic may be i don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense i think i know what you mean yeah <laughs> Um, like I, I like I guess in in the way that, for example, Raimi is known for kind of these outlandish sort of outlandish uh, horror scenes. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I was recently rewatched because uh, I was sick a couple weeks ago. I just was watching whatever was on available to me, and I found myself watching the original Spider Man trilogy. And when I was watching Spider Man two, um. I was there's the scene where basically you know Doctor Octopus's arms come to life, and mm-hmm. like they basically go on a killing spree. And I'm I sorry, like, every time I think of Doc Ock, I can think of that blooper with. The... Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was like, I'm, I'm like in the corner now. You know, like this scene is like so Raimi, like it's so over the top, even though. You know, it's a room full of people being butchered. It is like there is that element of this is so outlandish and ridiculous. And I think Donner is the same way in the aspect that like there are scenes that are so over the top. And even though the tone is overall serious or scary or whatnot, it does make you laugh maybe a little bit despite what might be happening um, at the time. Uh, I think that Superman has elements of that as well. Um if anything, if yeah. you've never seen the Superman movie, you know, like, you know, the scene where she falls over the railing at, at Niagara Falls, um, or, like, <laughs> see? You're giggling, because you know it's a little <laughs> bit outlandish, even though it's a serious scene. It is a little bit outlandish. Um, Every time I, I see think... that, I'm just like, girl, what were you doing? You don't have to do this over the railing. I think it's just because we're like we go to there as often enough. Now your falls, we're like, don't be an idiot. Um, (laughs) But I I do think that's part of of Donner's charm um, as a filmmaker. Uh, What do you guys think? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just the the idea of Lethal Weapon with like 
the one cop who's like, okay, I gained to the point of being able to retire. I'm here for like a nice desk job. And then he gets stuck with the suicidal tendencies guy. <laughs> yes. Basically. And he's just like, I'm fucking done with this white boy shit. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I was like, the last. I remember I was watching his an interview with him when he was talking about Lethal Weapon. Um, this was like when it first came out, and he was saying how like it was just a great cast to work with, and that he usually doesn't like doing sequels, but like he'd love to do a sequel with that cast again, which did end up happening. <laughs> then there were four. <laughs> Shall we move on Actually, to well, where we need um, Kleenex boxes? A uh, quick random fun fact I'll add in before. Go for it. Did you know that there was going to be a Goonies musical? What? No. No. <laughs> I no. didn't know that. No, 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 no. I, I no. was watching in one of his interviews. I don't remember if it was the le- if it was Superman or Goonies he was talking about. No, I think it was the Go- when he was talking about because he was doing like the, it was the, for the anniversary release of the Goonies. And he mentioned uh-huh. offhandedly that like he's working on a Goonies the musical. And I was like, I don't remember that being a thing. And I looked into it and apparently, yeah, like it was going to be a thing and then it never came to fruition. He's probably like, I want to do this, but no one wants to do this with me. And now I'm sad. Um, It looks like he did find someone, but I guess they just kept flip-flopping on stuff and then it just never... Um. Like, in the yeah. clip I watched, he said that they were in the works of discussing whether they wanted to, like, you know, um, like, try and make it to, like, appeal. Like, since the original Goonies fans are adults now, if they should try and make it more adult. And then he was like, no, the, they're coming for the Goonies. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I would have to agree with the man. Like, nobody wants to see grown-ups when you're, like, I think everybody can mutually agree that growing up sucks. Like, you want to see those characters... I, I as they were, as they were I guess. just yeah. I guess a slightly different take because it's a musical. <laughs> or I mean, just, I I, I, even I can get behind this. Like, I mean, I just feel it like the musical format well. lends itself well to doing things a bit differently. I guess. <laughs> I mean, listen, they made Evil Dead a musical. I'm pretty sure they could do the Goonies. I do remember enjoying that. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was a great musical. So I guess we'll bring out the tissue boxes now. <laughs> bring out the tissue boxes, but I'm going to bring them out in the best way. For those who know, there's that one episode in Golden Girls where Rose is just, you know, Rose and not intelligent. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Condoms, Rose. They mean condoms, Rose. <laughs> condoms. Um. And, anyway. Yeah. So of course you're talking about the late, the great Betty White, um, which, geez, was not a good way to start off the year. My lord. We didn't Month even make before. it to the year. We're trying to get through the end of the year. It is literally New Year's Eve, and then here. The shit end of the damn year. Cause couldn't we have gone out nice happy note? No, we had to add another piece of bullshit to the pile of bullshit. I I honestly couldn't eat just funny. I was out with my mom, um, and we were listening to the radio and they're like, you know, they came on and they're like, Oh, you know, we have some terrible news. 
Um, and like, it's weird to say, and maybe because in my head, like, you know, she's, she's so prolific and those people that are prolific kind of stick with you and you don't think that they're aging or whatnot, but she wasn't even who I was thinking of when they were like, oh, animal activist and like that, as they were building it up, they're like, you know, actor, activist, person who loved animals. I'm like, who is it? I'm like, I'm like is Susan? My first thought, I actually was Susan Sarandon. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, did something happen to Susan Sarandon? And then they're like, Betty White. And I was like, oh, shit. And they had already published her stuff about like her hitting her 100th birthday and like all these people magazines. And we're all just like, did you not? Nope. So nope. apparently, nope. um, Kay, friend of the podcast, was at the movie theater, and apparently they had like a little, I guess like a clip show of, of Betty White, and they were basically promoting a special that they were going to show about her turning 100. Mm-hmm. So, and they were watching a movie, and then they apparently came out and heard that she had passed. We're just like, can we not add more shit to the pile? Thank you very much. <laughs> so and the pile of shit that was this year. I remember on the day of, I was on Twitter and Betty White was trending, and whenever she's trending, people get worried because, like, they're like, <laughs> they're worried that it's because she's died. But mo- at least every other time before, it was because of something else that, like, she was <laughs> doing. But this time, um. Not. Like, the, like like the first article that reported on it was TMZ and everyone's like TMZ's not always mm. accurate it's it's not true kind of thing and then like as time went on and more outlets started reporting the story like people were really sad like people were in and out right away when that first article came out but yeah it was yeah it was really sad. I mean, apparently she had had a stroke on Christmas Eve. Oh. So that's why, like, they could report it so fast. Like, but she had so many good roles. And, like, I, as much as, like, we were always, like, okay, like, it was old. She can't been, like, that amazing. Like, some of her stuff couldn't be as, like, not woke, but, like, progressive. That show, as I've been re-watching it, um golden girls how progressive it was and what they were talking about always surprises me and how like it's four women who are all trying to like work together to live together independently mm-hmm. and like that's literally how it starts off and they're like oh like we just found this place together and like we're all working together to be women after like divorces and um husbands passing and it's just really interesting how like they had that thing and like they start off with having like the person who cooks for them being gay Mm -hmm. that's the first episode which is already like leaps and bounds ahead of its time 1985 Mm -hmm. height of like the AIDS pandemic and your cook is a gay man and also that's like that's the height of you know playing a a gay character in in a TV or movie even if you weren't that was pretty much a death sentence for your career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they openly, not only did they openly embrace it, but they didn't make it like a big spectacle or a big deal to be got that. 
already shows an, a level of respect that was not seen at the time. And, like, they have an episode where they're talking about, like, oh, like, I, about someone being gay, and there was, um, or, like, like, I don't know, does it, like, I'm not, uh, upset that they're gay, but, like, does he have to, because I'm sure that there's, uh, gays who are into girls, and then someone goes, like, yes, they're called lesbians, Rose! (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a really, um, in the spinoff series, The Golden Palace, um, they have an episode where they talk about the Confederate flag and what it actually means, and um, like them dealing with that situation. And the person who brings it up is Don Cheadle mm-hmm. about how what that flag really means. And um, Blanche doesn't really get it, but like they, he his conversation and how he's explaining it is so well received even though Blanche doesn't understand and she's like this is what it means to me but he's saying no it doesn't matter that you think that that's what it's about to everyone else this is what it means and it was just well so well done yes and that's in the early 90s like that was either 92 or 93 I can't remember which year specifically but yeah anyway it's definitely a you know, an actress that's ahead of her time um, in a lot of regards. Um, I think uh, I just, outside of her acting, something that I've always admired her for is that she's a big advocate for animal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's someone that, you know, she just, she does, she just doesn't, you know, talk the talk. She wants to walk as well. Um, mm-hmm. and volunteered and advocated for and supported charities um, and I think in general was just a genuinely good person and I, I think I saw an article where someone was talking about it and they described her as or they described the fact that you know in such a long prolific career at, that she has had She's like, you know, you've never heard her be in a scandal or misspeak or, you know, talk ill of a person. And they're saying basically, like, it is possible to have, like, a drama-free life um, mm-hmm. and kind of be known for your for your art and for your, you know, your giving qualities and the way that, that she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about her animal welfare. She was actually on the board of directors for the Greater LA Zoo Association since 1974. And she was a trustee for the Morris Animal Foundation starting in 1971. She's known to have like, given so much money. There's um, White donated nearly $100,000 in one month in 2008 alone. Wow, that's crazy. So, like, mm-hmm her advocacy for animals was intense. Yes, definitely. I knew that she had done a lot, but I didn't know the numbers were were that range. Yeah. And Uh, even in her um, Betty White show back in uh, 1954, she had Arthur Duncan on, who was a Black tap dancer, and they threatened to have her show removed and completely taken away um 
unless she got rid of him and she refused that see and those those are the type of people you know that this is why she'll be remembered because not only was she you know a, a, a talent she she was a good person and mm-hmm. and like as opposed to other people i guess that you know unfortunate things may come out after they pass it seems with betty white we're having the opposite the longer time is going by we're hearing more and more wonderful things about her that we didn't even know that she had been doing mm-hmm. um and you know the way the good actions and good deeds that she treated people with ahead of her time and i think it's kind of something quite beautiful especially in the world that we live in now where it's kind of harder to find something like that yeah um so something that uh that i quite liked betty white in outside of the golden girls um <laughs> is that we have a tv channel here that kind of shows i just classic shows and over quarantine i fell into watching a lot of i guess old sitcom shows from the 60s and um and for further on um I fell into a lot of watching Three's Company. That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I watched the majority of Three's Company, and I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but I also watched the majority of the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, which is where Betty White is had her start, basically. And I guess you can say that she almost plays a demo version of Rose. Um, again, playing someone who's... <laughs> not necessarily the brightest of the bunch she plays the dits perfectly well she's got it down pat yes um so um she plays the dits in mary tyler rose as well and um that was probably it was it was a joy kind of to watch her um in the show (laughs) and as you're kind of saying um you know, those those comedic chops, like, you either have them or you don't. On the other side mm-hmm. of her not being a ditz for once, she was actually in two episodes of Bones as, like, a doctor of anthropology, <laughs> like, kind of showing up um, Bones in it <laughs> twice. As oh, really? Beth Mayer, yeah. I didn't know that. She was just randomly in it, and you're like, oh. Okay, and you're like, oh, she's really smart. Okay, this is great. It's totally different than what she usually plays. Um, I guess a guilty pleasure that I had that I quite enjoy with her is have either of you seen the movie The Proposal with, with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock? Nope. I have um, I've, I've heard a lot about it. <laughs> um, so Betty White plays Ryan Reynolds' grandmother in, in this film. Um and basically so the whole concept of the movie is that Sandra Bullock is his like hard ass boss and um she's going to be deported back to Canada so she she pretends that she's in a relationship with Ryan Reynolds and they got engaged so they go up to meet his family who like live in sort of this rural beautiful uh like um cottage area and like um they have to keep the charade that they're engaged and whatnot so they can um, get his boss for paper so she can stay in the United States. And Betty White is, is his grandmother, and she's fantastic in it. Um, and, like, you know, they have 
things like you know they take Sandra Bullock to like the local strip club, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, and she passes down her dress to Sandra Bullock's character, um, and she's wonderful in this film. And it again she is that level of I guess of, of comfort that she's able to create in her characters um, that you just kind of instantly uh, enjoy her in this film. Can we take a minute to laugh the fact that they got Ryan Reynolds to play the American when he's actually the Canadian? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's yeah, he's the American in the film and Sandra Bullock is being deported. Back to Canada. Yeah. Back to Canada, where she does not want to go. Where she does not belong. <laughs> so yes, there is a grand irony in, in Ryan Reynolds playing playing an American. He's like from New York or something like that. I think also think one of the great things about Betty White was how good she was at doing both comedy as well as drama. Like like she definitely. Um, so I remember back when um, so at the library I work at, we did a display um for a, like a little display for Betty White and Sidney Poitier with some of their stuff and. There was this one that just stood out for to me for some reason, and it turned out to, it was like one of those like TV Hallmark movies, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. called The Lost Valentine, and you know like mm. these Hallmark movies like you know like you could probably just phone it in and um, just just do it because like you know like they always have this level of, I guess I mean a lot of them have this level of like, cheesiness to them I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But, they um, do, and my grandmother hates it when I point them out <laughs> as she's watching it. <laughs> I will be murdered one day. How did you die? I I made fun of the Hallmark movie, and my grandmother killed me. <laughs> I mean, I always make fun of my mom. I always bring up the title of one specific movie. There is this one, I think it came out last year, called... It's like a, a, a food truck, because they're always about cooking or something. And oh, like, I know exactly which one you're talking about. And this one was called You Bacon Me Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, and my mom, every time my mom is like, oh, they're not that bad. I'm like, Ma, you bacon me crazy. And she's like, stop. Enough. <laughs> she's like, I get it. Terrible. Anyways, continue before our segue there. But she was she was just like so sweet in this movie. Um, so like she's um, so in this movie she's like uh, she's a grandma who um, her husband. Um, so this would have been in the um, her husband um, fought in World War Two, and he went missing uh, during the war. So like you see like a lot of flashbacks of like of when they were young um and like playing their life out and then like he leaves on the train and she's running after her um and then now like it's many many years later and betty white still like goes to the train station that she um said goodbye to him at like every week um and she's like kind of friends with like i guess the station master there and she meets um um Jennifer Love Hewitt's character who's doing like a story um who wants to do a story on her um and tell her story um like for a TV special 
and like in doing so like she starts um she starts learning things and finding out that um and and she finds um that there he there was so like he went to the philippines and that was where he disappeared but then he finds out that there was someone he saved who was like the last person who saw him alive and then like and there's and she's also in like a love love relationship with betty white's grandson <laughs> um yep. you know it's a hallmark movie there has to be the romance somewhere always uh, always i'd be surprised mm-hmm. if there wasn't but like you know and it ha- he has to be like a former baseball star which is what he is now he's a psychotherapist <laughs> <laughs> uh, or an architect an architect <laughs> Or like you know some sort of washed up actor or something. The one was actually good because I have seen this one. It was cute. It was nice. Yeah, like a little bit better acting than normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like like she could have just phoned it in, but like she like did all those emotional scenes. Like like you could feel it. It was it was really sweet. So Betty White elevates everyone, is what I'm hearing. Yes. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Has what Billy is... Magnuson in it as the uh, male interest? <laughs> what was this one called again? Sorry? Uh, the Lost the Lo- Valentine. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> These titles, I swear. Well, when she gets the Valentine <laughs> back, it's it's just so sweet. <laughs> it's so good and how they bring it to the end mm-hmm. he comes home okay okay why but he comes home <laughs> don't ruin it okay it is 11 years old if you haven't seen it too bad wow <laughs> i didn't even know what existed until right now Shameful, Nicole. Too bad. So sad. Okay, well, apparently I'm being shamed for not knowing an 11-year-old Betty White movie. You are being shamed because if you lived in your... Like, your mother must have seen this. She also lives on the Hallmark Channel, just like my grandmother. No, she lives on the Woman's Network, which is... Which is the Hallmark Channel. Which is similar, but not quite the same. They're the same. It's just a Canadian version. <laughs> yeah, they're the, the exact con- same. The concept is the same, but not all the movies are the same. If it's on Hallmark, it makes it to Women's Network. Maybe eventually. No, it does. It most certainly does. I get stuck watching them all the time. Okay, okay. You're the leading expert, I suppose. Forced upon it by someone. Not mentioning any names, but their name is my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, Sam's grandmother is like the leading expert, ironically. She also is the leading expert in like car movies and death movies, but she also really that likes her Hallmark movies. <laughs> the dichotomy is real. If I'm I mean, going to be blood, guts, and guns, or you're going to have love. <laughs> I mean, that's not only my dad. He's like blood, guts, and dog movies. Don't forget the animated films from Disney. Oh, and he and he loves Disney animated movies. Your dad will be very upset if you forget those. Yes. Doesn't he but love Mulan? He loves Mulan. My God. 
like I was so surprised. He loves Mulan. He opened, but his favorite is Tangled. Tangled is very good. And I'm surprised that you are surprised that he would love Mulan. Like it's clearly a movie aimed for him. Because it's a war movie. It's a war movie with a strong female character and Mushu. He does really like Mushu. He but he liked the cricket more. Yes, the cricket is great. It is great. And Mushu is also great. Like, who can't? It's Eddie Murphy, of course. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a highlight, Eddie Murphy. He really made the film. He does. I completely agreed. You lied to me? Are you not even a lucky cricket? What do you mean you're not a lucky cricket? Who lied to me? Are you not? What? You're next, you're going to tell me that you're not a cow. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, okay, before we divulge into, you know, a spin-off Eddie Murphy appreciation episode, uh, did we want to add anything else for Betty White? I think we could go on for eons about her career. Come through the condoms! Very, very, very miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see she'll live on in all of her animals that were named after her, including a lovely otter at an aquarium in California. Oh, that's so cute! Her, on her birthday, she got a lovely little treat. Oh, that's so... I was not totally crying watching that TikTok. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's that's wonderful, though. That, you know, that kind of shows... She was the power, I guess, of of Betty's legacy, and you know everybody everybody will miss her. I th- I think that that's gonna be a tough one to get over. I remember there was all those memes for a long time about how she was a Jedi, she was the last <laughs> last of the Golden Girls, <laughs> and there's always like I'm sure have have you guys seen those memes with her as as a Force ghost? Mm-hmm. So she has well now she's joined her sisters, all four of them together. And having cheese her husband. Alan. Yes. He died young. He's passed been uh passed away for over twenty years, I believe. More than that. Um he passed <laughs> it was forty years. Jeez. Oh, wow. She, he passed in 81. Um, there, there's a really cute interview where um, she was asked, like, um, if heaven exists and you were greeted um, at the gates, what would you want uh, God to say to you? Like, Betty, welcome home. Alan's waiting for you. Aww. And apparently her last word was Alan. And Aww. yes, I watched that and heard that and started crying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would do it. That definitely seems like an inside the actor studio. I think that was the question. It was inside always, the actor studio. There we go. Yeah, he <laughs> always asked, like, "What would you want to see?" Um, and and when you go to heaven, is a, a great question. A lot of very prophetic answers. Um, she like, didn't even hesitate. She just was like, "Got my answer." I mean, well. I think I think that about describes uh, describes her legacy. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add for her? 
She's also the holder of the world record for most years worked in television. <laughs> oh, is she really? Mm -hmm. What is the record? Uh, eighty-three years. <laughs> that that is a tough that is a tough uh, amount to be. I I definitely don't think anyone can challenge her on that. Or will I think anyone be able to for a very long time? Yes, definitely. Wow, that is quite a career. Mm -hmm. Did anybody want to add anything else before we wrap up? No, I think we're uh, good. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so thank you, um, everyone, for listening and for joining us on this just a little bit of a more heartfelt, if not heavier, episode. Um, but hopefully we're gonna roll into a better, better year than last year. Um, and you know, these are just some of the actors that we've unfortunately lost in the last year. There are many more, um, and they're all deeply missed. Um, and we hope that they they rest in peace. Um did you guys have anything else to add before we, we finish here? Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Hollywood uh Hollywood Deep Dive, on Instagram at Hollywood underscore deep dive. Jordan hit him with the Twitter. HLWD Deep Dive. All right. Okay. And if you like this, please make sure to leave a review on apple podcast so other people can find us please yes thank you <laughs> yes please 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 give us a review let us know what you think uh send us a comment if you want to hear a specific topic for an episode let us know um otherwise we will catch you on the next one bye everyone bye.